Welcome back to the Six Side Culture Podcast. Once again, I'm joined by Danny and Princhak. Boys, we had a interesting weekend. Obviously, uh, Inter and Sassuolo did not take place. Roma got battered. Juve got upset by Benevento. We had uh, we have a lot of talking points on this weekend, so I said we get straight into it because uh, even though it was kind of a short weekend, obviously we're getting a game down. Like I said, Inter Sassuolo didn't take place. It was still a pretty entertaining weekend. We had some a uh, couple of youngsters that kind of stood out to us. I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, but yeah, speaking about youngsters, we'll get straight into it. With the first game here, uh, Parma Genoa. Pele scored a beautiful bicycle kick. We got to start off with that one. That was uh, <laughs> yeah, that was insane. I did not expect a, a I don't think that. And j- just to clear up, we're not talking about the Brazilian one. We're talking about the one that's <laughs> penalty at the Euros. So yeah, yeah, the one that we no one expected. The one yeah. that we could have claimed would have been better than the Brazilian Pele if he were scored against Germany. But uh, I don't think this Pele should even be allowed in Italy after that uh, disaster penalty. Yeah, for real, that was. Guys, uh, I still kicks for fun. Yeah, it's all joke. It's all jokes about him being the guy's nowhere close to Pele. One's yeah, a yeah. soccer icon. One's uh, thank you, Pele. <laughs> you can say, <laughs> yeah, for real. Like I, uh, I couldn't believe it when I saw that. Yeah, he scored a bicycle kick. It was actually really beautiful. One of the goals of the mm. season so far. So credit to that. And uh, the turning point for this match really was Skamaka coming on at halftime. General really didn't have any offensive options up there. Everyone's kind of looking for someone to do something. And Skamaka came in. It was about five minutes after coming on. So around there, Skamaka came in. And got a goal straight away. I'm not sure who. It wasn't really a cross. Someone it was, yeah, it was Zappacosta. Zappacosta's first assist. Oh, Zappacosta. Yeah, yeah Zappacosta yeah. in the first, and then uh, Piaggio. Yeah, uh, yeah, second. Second. Yeah. Uh, there's no way Zappacosta meant to cross that. That was 100 <laughs> percent a shot. I don't care what anyone says. He shot that, and it just went right at Skamaka, and Skamaka put it in good positioning by him. But yeah, Zappacosta actually meant to play that in, and credit to him. But there's no way that was on purpose. I just. Or else it's unbelievable, but yeah, uh, Skamaka put it away, tied it up, and then hmm, it was a. Uh, I, I just couldn't believe he scored that. He went on to score a second. Skamaka came off the bench at halftime, and uh, he scored a beauty from very far out to the bottom yeah. corner. Mm-hmm. What a strike! Um, obviously, I'm high on him. He's Roman. I'm always supporting my Roman players like Politano and Napoli. All the Roman players I really like, and Skamaka is still young. He's Italian. And maybe for the national team one day we can see him uh, be an important player. And he's up and down. He has a couple of weeks where he's not the same and a couple of weeks where he's astonishing. He's got to find a balance, but also look at the club he's playing for. They're kind of the same way up and down. So uh, Skamaka, I'd like to see him go to maybe a more uh, organized club at some point. I'd like to see that. But, but yeah, credit to Skamaka, great goal and uh, big one for Genoa then. Pele, I'm kind of happy his bicycle kick got outshined. I'm not going to lie. Cause, uh, <laughs> Me too. I'm not going to forgive him for that Euro, so credit to, uh, to Skamaka for stealing the show there. And uh, yeah, all three goals in this match scored by Italian strikers, so that's cool to see too. Yeah, and like going on Skamaka too, uh, I'm actually a big fan of him as well. Watching him with the Italy under 20, uh, 20s at the World Cup, uh, I want to say now two years ago, maybe two, two and a half years ago. Yeah, two and a half years ago. Uh, I was just really impressed with him, and he's just a good striker. He's a target guy he's a typical target guy uh cross into the box and he'll win the headers and he's a type of guy like Enzo said too I think on a better team than Genoa with better quality and better service uh this guy could be a very good goal scorer he could be maybe yeah. 10 to 15 goals a season I believe 
And who knows? He's still young. I think he's 21 now, 21, 22, around that age. Yeah. And who knows? One day, maybe we can see Skamaka on Italy again in a friendly, hopefully, just to see how he does against with the senior team. And he's a good goal scorer. He's a goal scorer, too. And it's just the consistency of him. That's the only problem with him. And that seems like that's the problem with a lot of Italian strikers. There's not really one striker who's consistent enough. Some can say Mobley, but this season he hasn't been consistent at all. And I feel like Skamaka could be an interesting target uh, for a team in the summer. Maybe even a team that wants to stay, that stays up, like a Benevento or who even knows, like maybe like a Verona type. Uh, he's definitely one to look out for, and I'm really high on him as well. Yeah, well said. Uh, we're all high on uh, Skamaka, and uh, yeah, happy to see him doing really well, so credit to him. Moving on now to Crotone and Bologna. What a match. Uh, 3-2 for Bologna. Big win for them. Crotone had an early lead after the goals from Messiah Jr. and Simi, who uh, he does have quite a bit of goals. I think it's 13 now, Simi. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie, most of them are pens, if I'm being honest. Uh, I feel like every weekend he scores a pen, this guy. But it's okay. He's been doing well, Simi. Credit to him. And, uh, yeah, he put away a penalty after uh, Dicarmine was brought down in the box after a big tussle. Uh, Bologna boy. came back to tie it. Yeah. It's crazy, but uh, yeah, Bologna came back to tie it at two, which uh, I assume most people watching will be like, yeah, okay, it's probably going to end in a draw now. 2-2, two, two, you know, nothing much is going to come of it. And uh, no, in the final 10 minutes, uh, before out of time, Palacio took a shot from outside the box that forced uh, uh, Cordas to make a nice save and right into the path of Scovolson, who I actually rate, I wouldn't say highly, but I rate him. He's a good player who uh, put it away and got the win for Bologna. A uh, great job from Skobolson. He's shown a lot of quality at times. He kind of reminds me of Carlos Perez. Obviously, I'm making a Roma comparison because that's <laughs> what I watch most. But uh, it kind of reminds me of Carlos Perez where shot seems to get blocked 24-7. He makes so many nice moves and reads and then just gets blocked every time. But uh, there, there is some untapped potential there, Skobolson. He's shown a lot of good bright sides. And uh, I'm really happy to see him uh, put that away and get the win for Bologna. Nice comeback. And... Uh, Really happy for Mihalovic whenever he does well. I love his story and uh yeah, big ups to Bologna there. Yeah, now I liked his up. uh passion I liked his yeah, I liked his passion during the game. Obviously there was a time when they were uh, da- there yeah. was a time in the down where he like threw mm. his hat down on the ground. He, you could obviously <laughs> tell you could yeah. tell the frustration in him and that's what you need. You need uh players to be passionate, even the coaching staff passionate. Uh, and that's what he did and Bologna came back and won that game. So it goes to show you how much passion could, could lead you in heart, could you lead you to win games. Yeah. Yeah, for child shocked you were you're gonna jump in now. Usually you don't like managers. Most managers <laughs> you hate in Europe. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like even like going back to Enzo's point, schools and uh, like for me before the goal, I feel like he was he, he was just getting unlucky not kind of unlucky kind of like yeah, you can say unlucky in front of the net. He was taking a lot of good looks. Uh, but the ball wasn't going in the net. And seeing him get that goal, it's a big confidence, especially for a kid like him. Uh, so it's a big win for Bologna as well. And I just want to shout out Junior Messias. Yeah. That's impressive, man. Uh, coming, I think he came from Brazil this year, just this year. And he's been very impressive. I've been impressed with him. He's an older guy. He's kind of remi- he kind of reminds me of like a John Pedro, like an older type player that will not, like that doesn't get recognition, but he's having a great season. And, I feel like he's Cortone's best player this season. Too bad they're not having their best season themselves. But if it was maybe a few other player, maybe a few other players, if this say an Unas came earlier, Simi started scoring a lot more, 
and this guy too, they probably would have stayed up because he's actually a good player. Like it's he's a player that goes under the radar because he's on a team like Cortone and they're dead last. But I can see him being in uh, Syria next year as well. Yeah, he's uh he's really uh, he's been doing really well. So I've been impressed by him, and uh, yeah, I've been saying for a while now. Yeah, like you said, Dan, he's older, but uh, for a team like uh, Cortone, great player to have, and uh, he's really done a lot of great things for them. So yeah, credit to him. Uh, moving on now to Spezia and Cagliari, two on win for Spezia here. We almost saw another comeback, which was crazy. Uh, Spezia were up one nothing for the vast majority of the game. I think it was kind of a I don't want to say a slow game, but not much was going on really. And then eventually it was 2 nothing for Spezia after Majore took a volley that bounced from, like, I don't know what happened. He volleyed it <laughs> off the ground and it almost went. hit the stars and then went into the net over Kranio. <laughs> so, yeah, that was very awkward. Uh, Kranio was probably frustrated. That happens maybe one out of a million times. And yeah, he put it away 2 nothing. And then you're pressing, okay, the game's done, which they did get the win eventually, but... Uh, this kind of more drama that led to the win because a few minutes later, Cali got one back off a corner after Rugani headed it back into Gaston Pereiro. Uh, he was a substitute. He just came on and, uh, he put it away. So we're like, okay, 2-1, whatever. And at the 90th minute, we thought we saw another comeback, but no, yeah, Joao Pedro's Joao goal Pedro. was ruled off. Yeah, he put one away. We got ruled off and after the VR check and Spezia got the win. So that could have been another drama filled game. At the last and, minute, yeah. Yeah, but uh, the whole game was kind of slow, but in the last 15, 20 minutes or so, it was a really entertaining game. Yeah, and, uh, yeah if you're a Spezia or a Cagliari fan, you're probably uh, sweating your uh, Palini off there. So, <laughs> yeah, crazy yeah. game, and uh, I enjoyed that one. It's a big win. It's also a big win for uh, Spezia, too. And, like, big three points for them. And I just want to give a quick shout out. For me, I, I'm very invested in youth players, I like looking at youth talent. Roberto Piccoli, since moving to, since going to Spezia, he's been impressive at this uh, at Spezia, and Atalanta. I feel like they have a future player in him, and even Giuliano Majorde, who I posted maybe in the summer, and we made an edit that I had him as one of my players to look out for this year. And so far, he's been inconsistent. Like it's been here and there, but I feel like he's having a productive season. He he's definitely one player too that uh, teams could look for in the future as well, and. Just like Spezia, they're they're actually a decent team. They're not as bad as people think. Uh, I just I give a lot of credit to Italiano as well. I think he's a good coach, and I feel like he's a good coach for like a side like Spezia, like a smaller side. It'll be interesting to see if he does move to like a team, say like Napoli, since we were linked with him. But who knows at this point? But I feel like he's a good coach, and I feel like Spezia is just the perfect team for him to coach. I don't feel like he should move from there because uh, they got a good. They have a decent core of players, and he has a really good system. Uh, there's sometimes, like, you question it, but, again, it's always the small club mentality. Uh, when usually they take the lead, they tend to park the bus and absorb pressure, and big teams capitalize on that. So, big win for Spezia, and I'm very impressed with uh, the way the kids played this game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like you said, shout out to Piccoli. Uh, he hasn't been given a lot of minutes this year, but when he has gone in, he's done well. Four goals and an assist. He also has a goal and an assist in the Coppa Italia and only three appearances. So, uh, yeah, definitely one to look out for. And, uh, yeah, like you said, Dan, Atalanta can have something promising on their hands to, to add to their young core that uh, Gasparini likes uh, using. You know, Gasparini's a big fan of the young players, so maybe next year you might, uh, might see Piccoli getting some more minutes. So we'll see. 
But yeah, well done to uh, Spezia there for getting a win. Uh, Sampdoria Torino, big win for Sampdoria, one to zero. Like like the other match, not much went on for most of the game. Pretty boring. Yeah, it was a pretty slow game. Not gonna lie. Uh, I do like the goal though. Sampdoria scored some nice link up play between Algello, Gabbiadini, and Candreva. Nice play there. They have to lead pretty early on. I believe it was in the first twenty twenty five minutes or so. Um, Algello is a player I've been liking this season. He's done well. He's really good going forward at the left back position. And um, definitely one to keep your eye out for. I like that play. He ran most of the field and he overlapped. And then he played in Gabbiadini, who played it first time to Candreva, who then put it away. So a great goal for Sampdoria there. But honestly, nothing really uh, to really talk about from this match. It's kind of like Francesca said, kind of like a slow, boring game. Not much to say. Udinese Lazio, kind of similar. Lazio got the one nothing win here. Before the game, Inzaghi said he was expecting a tough game against Udinese, and that's what he got. It was a classic grind out game. Uh, if you want top four, it's a game you need to win, like we say every week, and this is one of them. He got the win. Uh, Marusic, his goal was pretty nice, I'm not going to lie, obviously. I'm a big uh, Lazio hater as a Roma fan. <laughs> Don't give him credit much, but uh, he scored a nice goal, Marusic. He faked twice before sending it to the top corner, so it was a nice strike. And uh, they got the win, so they're keeping the pressure on clubs like Napoli, Roma. I don't even think we're in this top four race anymore. Uh, Atalanta, Napoli. So, yeah, all the teams up there, they're keeping the pressure on. And this top four race is uh, more entertaining than the race for the Scudetto at the moment. So, uh, yeah, really good season in the Serie A. Obviously, a lot of uh, things have gone on, like COVID and uh, injuries and all this stuff. But uh, it's still turning out to be a pretty entertaining year. So we're thankful we get to watch it uh, take place. We also had Verona Atalanta. Atalanta came away here with a two nothing win, similar to the Lazio game too. You know, it's uh, Verona is a tough game, a tough team to play against, similar to Udinese as of late at least. And Atalanta got the win here. They needed the win if they want to get the top four because Napoli obviously beat Roma, Lazio beat Udinese, so all the teams in that top four race are winning. And for <laughs> Atalanta, they had to get the win. It's funny. All I'm gonna say is. Atalanta didn't score one goal since Stefano Storaro stepped on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, but they had two there. before he did. Yeah, that's why he had to come <laughs> on. Yeah, Francesco loves his Storaro propaganda. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I guess if you want to look at it like that. Uh, it wasn't, I don't want to say it was a tough game, but it wasn't an easy game. It's kind of hard to explain. If you saw, you know what I mean. Yeah, but, it's, uh, always, it's always tough when you play a team like Atalanta. Yeah, yeah, Verona, because yeah. the way that they defend, the way that Juric has them set up, they're a tough team, and they got some attacking talent too that can like hurt you if you're if you're caught in the counter. Uh, very impressed with like DeMarco, say, uh, even Faroni too. Faroni too, he, I feel like he's a great right back in the league. He's, I think he's one of the most underrated ones in the league. I think he does a lot for that club that goes unnoticed. And even DeMarco too, he's... He's turning out to be a good left back. I remember a few years back when I was watching him under 21s. This guy couldn't cross the ball at all. This guy, one of the worst crossing yeah, abilities I've seen. You know how much I dislike them. Yeah, <laughs> I but now, like, now I, I feel like as the years gone on, uh, I feel like he's becoming an overall good left back in a fixture for Hellas Verona. Yeah, he's grown a lot. And uh, speaking about DiMarco, the first goal was scored by Malinovsky after a handball from DiMarco, unfortunately okay. for him. After the VAR check, they uh, ruled yeah. it was a handball. And uh, Malinovsky put it away. He's also been great this year. Uh, I know we've spoken about Malinovsky quite a bit this year. And also uh, the second goal, scored by uh, Zapata. Zapata. 
I'm sorry, Dan, you're not going to know what to say, but uh, Zapata beat Lovato uh, pretty convincingly, got by him, and then <laughs> put it past Silvestri for a nice goal. It's okay. You can't, but, uh, Lovato, can't stop Lovato's, yeah, yeah, guys, he's not the Maldini yet. <laughs> he's good. I like him a lot. No, he's, good, he's good. He's good. It's just it's, it's, he's still young, so it's going to be a lot of mistakes he's going to make. But I feel like he he'll grow into a, a great center back. Yeah, definitely. But great win for Atalanta and for Chad. I think you know what I'm going to bring up. So uh, Juventus Benevento one nothing for Benevento at the Allianz Stadium, I believe, or Arena. One of the Appreciate yeah, Stadium. Yeah, stadium. Stadium. Allianz Stadium. For Chad, just go off. <sighs> As a Juve fan, this is one of the most disappointing results I've seen all sta- uh, season. And uh, all the Juve fans will know there's a lot of them. Um, it started off Benevento, you know, against Juve. They're disappointing. Just like Enzo would say when they faced Roma a couple of weeks back. They just wanted the draw. You could tell they didn't care about getting the win. They sat back behind behind the ball and just... Uh, absorb the counterattack. That's that's how they play. That's their game style. Um, I th- I think the lineup was good enough from what I saw. Um, but it goes to show you at the beginning of the game. I think Enzo's going to talk about this too. But when I saw Agnelli hand over Ronaldo that jersey with the goals like on the back of the jersey, and then they said "Gold" on it, I knew it'd be a recipe for disaster. Uh, a player like Ronaldo, he doesn't need his ego fed because once you feed his ego, he gets too complacent. And uh, that's when he he doesn't shine at his best. You got to Ronaldo thrives on hate and um, poor performances. That's how he thrives on his big games. Uh, when he played against Porto, you saw how, how shit he was. And then against Cagliari, he gets a hat trick. Now you're you're t- calling him the goats right before a game against Benevento at home. He, Ronaldo is dreadful. Uh, Marato is even worse. Kulusevski is unpopular opinion. I, I don't like the guy. I think he's good. I don't think he's good enough for Juve. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd get rid of him this summer if I'm honest. Uh, Chiesa can't play on the left. Chiesa's better on the right. I don't know why we, we sacrifice Chiesa on the left for Kulzeski. It just makes no sense. Artur, uh, I've ne- I never hated the guy, but I've ne- I was never too fond of him. I mean, when I was watching at Barca, I even said this in a previous podcast, that Artur just turns around and passes the ball backwards. He doesn't really do a lot and a lot of people uh, go crazy about him but it goes to show you today he has the right idea he just doesn't have the right power in his foot he almost got a really nice assist where he lobbed the ball over the defender except there, was, there wasn't enough power if there's uh, enough power uh, there would have been a goal but it's it just a shame to see that, that mistake that costed us the game obviously in the 70th minute uh, Juventus by any means didn't deserve this win at all but they also didn't deserve the loss uh, Artur does a, a pass around the by the box and you learn that when you're four years old not not to ever pass across the box and he did it and Delit was out of, I actually don't know where Delit was he wasn't in the picture and then Danilo was out of position like always and just interception and unlucky goal that's one goal I can't blame Chesney for uh Bernadeschi a left back just, there's no creativity in him but I can't blame Pirlo for starting him um Codrado was out for suspension Chiesa should have been gotten a penalty, but um, you know the refs are on inter side uh, this season. Overall, it was just a disaster of a game. McKenny, I don't know why he came out 73rd minute. Should have been starting. Feels up to me, but uh, it's a game that I left uh, behind me. Hopefully, we uh, that's a wake up call because if 
Pirlo's making it very hard for us to win the Scudetto at, at this point at home against Benevento uh, when Inter beat them 4 nothing and 5-2 this season. It, it's just not looking good for Juventus this season, but hopefully this result inspires us and motivates us to just get get result after result after after that horrible performance. I think we need a performance like this to kind of wake us up. Um, so next game, I, I hope we're awake, I hope we're aware, and I hope... Uh, we, we, we go for some blood and Benevento, uh, I, I pray every night that you guys get relegated and never come back to City. Yeah. Well then, uh, the last part okay. Well. Yeah. yeah. It was going pretty well until the last part. All right. So, uh, that's for Chaz, uh, hate message of the podcast we're waiting for. Uh, yeah, definitely disappointing if you're a Yuga fan of the expectations you had ending to the season. Uh, it's tough to go out against Benevento like that, especially in a loss at home. So, obviously, they're going to look to bounce back, and uh, they usually do, just if they can put a couple games in a row together. Scudetto looks like it's going to enter at this point, it's almost certain. Unless some major drop-off from Inter takes place. But uh, Well, it did in Handanovic, but, you know, City are on their side. Yeah, that's another thing. We got into a bit last podcast. If you want to hear it, we have timestamps and on our Twitter account. So I go take a look at that or even in the bio, wherever you listen to it on. Uh, we talked about that a little bit near the end of the podcast. So go take a listen. Um, yeah, moving on here from the Juve game. Fiorentina Milan, 3-2 for Milan. What a game. Uh, Fiorentina, they always seem to make it tough on big teams, but never actually win the game. Which kind unless, of hilarious. Unless, unless you're Juve. Yeah, unless you're Juve, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just a, a crazy game to start off. Your uh, Pulgar, what a hit! What, yeah, what beautiful hit. free kick. Oh, beautiful, my. very nice free kick. That was especially against someone like Donnarumma, who's so long and his his reflexes are so good. He he couldn't even get to that. So I don't think any keeper in Europe would have. That was just incredible. Yeah, it was a perfect place. That was the definition of perfectly placed yeah. free kick. It was a tough angle. You would think he'd cross it from there, but he went to go hit it, and I you know, can't blame him. I, I knew Pulgar can hit it, but not like that. So, yeah, credit to him and uh, beautiful goal there. Milan were fighting back most of this game. And there were some points where I was like, is it really done for Milan here? Uh, Ribery, when he put them ahead, I was like, okay, I think Milan might be done here. Inter's going to Scudetto. It's over. Milan's falling apart. Like Danny said last podcast, it's it's over for Milan. But, uh, no, they kept fighting. And yes, the yeah, huge goal. Yeah, huge, huge, huge. And that's one thing about this Milan team that yeah, uh, purely fight. insulted them. They fight back. Even though they don't have the most, I'm not going to say most, but they don't have the best quality in the team. And they still get by these games. And credit to them, Fiorentina, even though their record's not the best, uh, don't, don't mistake them for a garbage team. They're good. They're a very good team. Yeah, Fiorentina just, especially with Prandelli, they've uh, really been picking up results. Yeah. It's just Fantastic. unfortunate for them. Uh, obviously, that penalty appeal. I personally think that was a penalty that was missed. I agree. Yeah. And I think that yeah. was with the, the game a lot more differently than it did. Yeah, I definitely think that was a penalty there. Also, club. too, it doesn't it doesn't help where in like your starting goalie, who's easily maybe I want to say top ten in the league. Uh, yeah, he's really good. Such a very injured. good yeah. goalkeeper. Got injured, maybe even man. better. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, Torricano had to come in and. He, this guy, I don't know, man. Him and Pardelli, on level for, uh, or Pardelli from Inter, their backup, on level from, they all know where the ball is 90% of the time. There was <laughs> one point um, where Ibra crossed it, 
And Terracano just looked at it like, okay, I'm going to leave it. And the ball hit the post, and it almost went in. Yeah, the post was his best friend that game. Ibra hit the yeah. post like four times. Yeah. Yeah, like, and hopefully if you're a Fiorentina fan and you're listening to this, I think you can agree with me what I'm about to say. You're praying Dragoski isn't hurt too bad. Because uh, he's such a good goalie, man. Uh, and it doesn't it, too bad, like Fiorentina, again, they don't have the best defense. They were playing four center backs. Uh, like this game and they don't have the best defense but he's a key aspect of why they don't concede like eight goals a game he's such a good goal he makes some big saves and he look and he's just like he's just scary looking too like Jargoski like he reminds me of like a like a Viking and he's he's a great <laughs> goalie and I would love to see him on a like a bigger club uh, hopefully soon but yeah give me like credit they battled back Ribery he so he still, got, time, he's still got it. Yeah, he still he has, still has it. it. For a guy who has a lot, who had a lot of injuries in his career, uh, he's up there in age as well. He still got it. Uh, the guy. So, girl on him and Enzo. I know you're gonna get happy with this. Vlaovic again, once again, contributing yeah. <laughs> to a goal. And just give. Uh, I'm gonna give Fiorentina credit for putting up a fight, but I'll give Milan even more credit for the first time in a while that they actually came out and they got the three points, and it's huge for them because now. They're, I want to say, four points back of, maybe more, maybe four or five points back of uh, Inter. And they're still battling for second. They have to worry about Juve, who's on their tail. Lots, uh, Atalanta, who's on their tail. And even Napoli, too. I know it's a long shot, but Napoli are six points back of second place. Yeah. So you got to look out. They, they have to keep oh. winning these matches if they want to finish in the top four. And... Napoli and Juve also have a game in hand, so which that game is going to be huge, depending uh, for both sides uh, when it comes to top floor implications, and also Juve if they're still considering if they're still considered title contenders, uh, they're still like that's a huge match for them. And uh, this was a big three points for Milan, and let's see if they can uh, bounce back off this result after the um, international break. Yeah, and definitely uh, before we move on to. Uh... The match I don't want to talk about uh, quickly. Uh, Valvic, like you said, Dan, he set up Ribery there. One question I know people have had is, uh, can he hold up the play? Because Valvic usually likes to turn and run at the defender. And well, I guess the, the answer is yes. He held up the play there, played to uh, Ribery. He could have shot and turned. But he could turn and shot, I mean. And uh, instead, he laid it off to Ribery, who had a better angle. Really high IQ to do that. I know it looks simple, but uh, most young strikers like to score. They turn around and fired at the net. But instead... He saw the veteran Ribéry had a better look at the net. He played it off for him, and then he put it away. So, yeah, Vlaovic keeps impressing me. And uh, please, Roma, don't let him slip away. I want him so bad. <laughs> I love Vlaovic. But, yeah, well done from uh, Milan and also Fiorentina for fighting back and not really getting walked over. Because, uh, like you said, Francesca, since Prandelli's arrived, they've been uh, showing a better account for themselves. So, uh, yeah, credit to both teams. Moving on now to uh, the final match of this match day, heading into the international break, Roma-Napoli at the Stadio Olimpico. Heading into it, you heard my thoughts on the last podcast and every big match before every single one. <laughs> I expected a loss. To be honest, I expected it to be worse than it was. And uh, that's what I got, so no surprises there. Uh, Dan, you want to start off or should I? It doesn't really matter. Uh, Yeah, you can go. All right, so... Uh, I told Dan, I think an hour before the game, I sent him a text. I said, we always start off slow against the big teams. We make a lot of mistakes. And 
I'm sure Dan, you would agree that was exactly what happened. Yeah. Get giving the ball up, and when teams pressure us, we do not know what to do. We get nervous. We give up the ball. It doesn't help that Veretout uh, was missing one stat that the commentator mentioned, which was didn't really blow my mind, but it really shows how valuable Veretout is. We won 58% of games with Veretout and won 38% without him. So that's a big difference. And we've been seeing it without Veretout. We've been struggling to get results. He's the glue we have that leads from defense to offense. And yeah. without him, we don't have that. We just have a very defensive-minded team. Diaura is a great player. I really like watching him, but he's someone who protects the defense. He doesn't bring the ball up. That's not his style of play. Villard is, he likes to move the ball around, which he should have started, by the way. That was a big mistake from Fonseca. Pedro is horrific. I don't want to watch him play again for my club. <laughs> Jack was finished. Uh, I'm going to say now, right now, Jack was finished. He's done. And, uh, Mayral and Villar should have been in the starting lineup with Pellegrini moving up to the attack. That should have been the lineup. We made a huge mistake when Viad came on later on in the game. He was doing well. And there's one player where he dribbled past four or five Napoli players. that got into the box and caused a little bit of trouble there quickly. But yeah, we needed Viad and uh, Mayral in. And I was just really disappointed that starting lineup. Cristante has been good for us most of the year. I'm actually impressed how at- Atalanta he had nine goals. He was center attacking mid. And now he's playing center back and not doing too bad. But against Napoli, he was horrific. He kept giving the ball up. One of his worst games of the year. And something I don't get is that Napoli, I'm sure, Dan, you can agree, when, whenever I watch Napoli, when a team presses Napoli, they usually struggle. That's where you see the most issues come with Napoli because their back line isn't too good at distributing the ball. And when we started doing that, we saw success, but we just couldn't score. And Fonseca got it completely wrong. We should have been pressing Napoli from the first minute. And instead we held, we sat back. We just let them play with the ball around. And that's the last thing you want to do against a team like Napoli. He was so good at moving the ball around. And when we got punished, Mertens, that guy always kills us, and I knew he would. And that free kick, there's just some free Sorry. kicks in soccer. Yeah, yeah it's a beautiful, beautiful free kick. And it's just mm-hmm. some shots, I'm sure you guys agree, where you just know it's going to go in. You just know it's going to go in, 100%. No matter where it's from, you know it's going in. And me and my dad both said, this is a goal. They're scoring one, one nothing, And then it went in, yep, there it is, one nothing. Ah, it's, uh, it's frustrating. We haven't won a big game once this season, if you exclude Europe. And I don't know when it's going to end. Fonseca, this is the first game where I really start to question him. I believe he got the tactics completely wrong. I think before beforehand, people were a little uh, harsh on him. I still think people are, but it's the first time where I'm kind of like, Fonseca, where's the reaction? He's blaming the mentality. No, I don't think it was mentality. I think it was the tactics. Because second half, if we played it out the whole game, I think we could have got a result, at least a draw. Maybe we still would have lost, but we could have pressured Napoli and made it a better game. I just put up a fight. They put up a fight, and we didn't do that until the second half. So, disappointed. Uh, yeah, not much else to say, really. Thank God the international break's here, and uh, Dan, take it away. Yeah, like, heading into the match, uh, I remember when Angel goes, yeah, you're going to see a lot of mistakes, but, like, all like all the stuff that Roma were doing in the first half. And for me, I was like, okay. When I saw Napoli passing back, and I saw Roma pressuring, there's a few times where not uh, Roma pressured, but it wasn't good enough. They were saying one point where Pedro pressured, but Jekyll was lazy and just sat back and allowed Napoli to build up uh, from the back, which is one thing I was like surprised that Napoli did well this game. It was their build up from the back. There was a few times there was a few blunders by say Kulibaly. Uh One was by I think Maximovic as well, which is not a surprise because this guy makes mistakes every game, uh, but. I was just very happy. I'm very happy with the result. It was a great performance. 
Uh, especially with Mertens' first goal, like what a free kick that was. Oh my God. And give Zelensky credit to, um, the first, uh, he set up the free kick, uh, made a beautiful turn. I, I, I think it was on Ibanez, uh, where he did uh, yeah. a nice, yeah. like, little turn and Ibanez fouled him. Uh, Perry Mertens in a good position to, uh, bang it, who, which I was not a big fan of him starting, but after the match, uh, I'm kind of glad he started. There was a first, one time in the first half where he had a breakaway and he just, and the ball was behind him and I was just getting very frustrated watching that. I was like, this guy can't even run anymore, but then he scores a free kick and made up for it. And then Napoli's second goal was something I saw from Saudi. It brought me back to Saudi days uh, where Insigne would cut on his right or cross it into Calion at the time and to Politano. Politano has it to uh, Mertens and Mertens made no mistake, which Paul Lopez almost got to there, to be fair. So yeah. he, I thought he saved it at first, and but when I saw it go in, I got so happy. Uh, first half was, I would say, probably one of our best halves I've seen in a while, to be honest. Uh, but then the second half came, and it's like Napoli sat back, absorbed the pressure that Roma were giving, allowed Roma to get into the match a little more, uh, which is one thing I never get with teams, especially with Napoli. They see, it seems like they do that a lot that um, when they lead in the first half, it tends to, the momentum tends to die down in the second half and we allow the other teams to come in, uh, which I don't agree with. But at the end of the day, we got the clean sheet, got the three points, and it's now back-to-back clean sheets uh, for Napoli, so, which is very good. So let's see. Hopefully we got a big match against uh, Crotone, even though it's against Crotone. Uh, these are points we can't drop. Especially because we have Juventus on the April fifth, I believe it was the fifth or sixth, one of the two days uh, after the international break. So these are big games coming up, and I'm just very happy with the way the squad's been performing as of late. Yeah, definitely. Napoli's uh, really turned it around. I'm I'm happy for Gattuso. I really like Gattuso as a not Me only too. as a player but as a person, and as a manager. Obviously, his tactics get questioned at times, but. Um, one thing you can't question is really um, his ability to get the team to play together. And, and Napoli seems like a family. It hugs all the players. They, they look like they're having a good time. And there was one time where, who was it? I think it was Insignia tried to play the ball to Mertens, and then he misplaced the pass, and then Mertens turned around and smiled at him. Like, it's, uh, they all look happy. They're enjoying their time playing. And um, that's something I think Roma's missing, the joy of it. We seem stressed out, like uh, uh, we got something up our ass or something. Like, I don't know. Like, mm. We can't really play freely and I feel like not to do that so yeah credit to Gattuso I'm happy he's done well yeah. a lot one of people too, call like, for his job and he's done well yeah one thing yeah one thing I'm questioning too now which I'll get into a later podcast probably at the end of the year if not like the way Napoli's been played do you still stack Gattuso or do you keep him um, right now I just want to focus just to finish the year and then I'll answer that question but just one thing I'd like to see too at the end of the game where Gattuso, Gattuso was talking to the referee I have no idea about why. And then Politano said something, and Catuso ended up giving him a little kick, and just all good fun. I like seeing oh, stuff like that. Oh, my God, yeah. I love seeing coaches and players like share a little moment like that, especially on the sidelines where uh, Catuso and the assistant were hugging. The, the team was standing up for the first time in a while, uh, yelling uh, after the game. It seems like Napoli are coming uh, all coming all together as one. Yeah, they're becoming uh, a family under Catuso. They're becoming a family, which is when they when they're clicking. I not even being biased, I still believe they're 
one of the best. They're still maybe a top three side in Italy when everything goes their way, if they can play consistently. And it's just nice to see, like, again, like the moments shared and also Gattuso hugging the players, uh, giving the players, like, still yelling at the players even after they scored, which is one thing I love about him. He gives players shit. It doesn't matter. Not that it can be up 6 nothing. He'll still be telling Koulibaly to keep focused, don't give up the the goal because that's one thing I think Gattuso likes too. He likes when his team gets clean sheets. I think all managers do. And yeah, there's definitely. a lot of times where under Saudi, uh Napoli would say be winning two one two nothing, ninetieth minute, about maybe two minutes left, maybe a minute left. Taking the goal and we have yeah. to sw- sweat it out the last minute. So that's one thing I like about Gattuso. He gets the best out of his players. Tactically, yes, questionable, very questionable, but. I feel like this match, he got a lot of things right. Just wish that Napoli would have played a little bit better in the uh, second half. Yeah, and uh, on the Roma side of things, Europa League's our only hope now. Um, it's kind of depressing knowing that our only hope of going into Champions League is winning a competition we've never won in our club's history. So we'll see how that one works out. Uh, Fonseca, if he doesn't win Europa League, his job's gone. I can guarantee you that. The Friedkin, just by looking at them, they're furious, you can tell. Yeah, there was and, one uh, point like match three, like their heads. They, were, they looked at each other and they just shook their heads. I was like, oh wow. Yeah, people are blaming one thing, one second, the players. You got to blame a bunch of things. It's it's a bunch of things all into one. Uh, the players, the manager, the mentality, and everything. So, um, yeah, definitely. Do we need quality in the summer and upgrades? Of course. Do we need a new manager? We'll see. We got to let everything play out until then. International break. Or we need Forza a Qatar to come back. And, uh, yeah, Forza Azuri, yeah, another thing. Italy's coming up. Uh, not really much to talk about right now, obviously. Uh, are they even training yet? No, right? No, they're not training. Uh, I, I think tomorrow. So. I think they, they start I think tomorrow. tomorrow. I know Mancini has press conference today. He said he gave an update on the Inter players. Uh, we'll find out today or tomorrow if uh, the Inter Yeah, they shouldn't come. They have forfeit. They shouldn't come. I don't Unless believe that's a lie. Will. You never know. I, have, I, know in, uh, I know a few players from Inter... Uh, left for international break. Uh, let's see if Barella or even uh, don't get why Sensi was called up, but that's another discussion for another day. Uh, see if they they'll be joining uh, Italy in tomorrow's training session. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll be releasing podcasts during international break. Maybe probably really next week just to recap all the games that took place and our opinions. So looking forward to that one. We haven't had an Azuri pod in a while. Uh, but yeah, until then, thank you for listening. Enjoy the international and, break. And, and oh, yeah. oh, I think no. you know what's coming. No, 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 no. Please, please. Two, two seconds. Okay, for sure. As the people know, as the people know. Yeah. Here we go. Me, me and, and little Max don't have the best relationships. Let's talk about Max Allegri for everyone listening. <laughs> and, and this oh, guy, no. uh, the many Juventus are doing poorly, this little sewer rat crawled through the cracks. Went on his media, uh, media went on TV. Guy lost some hair since he's retired as a coach, and uh, likes to keep keep her name in his mouth. Obviously, the media like to have that initiative talk about his last previous job, because uh, he hasn't been hired since. And um, he said a quote that really pissed me off. Uh, I just want to read it out. He said, "Juve has quality, but Barzali has retired. Chiellini plays less. As the soul of the team that needs to be rebuilt." And I agree with that 100%. But then he says, we need to find players with certain characteristics. And this scares me. This, this, this scared me. Paratici. 
I don't care. I know you're listening, buddy. Under no circumstances do I want to see this hairless mole rat return to Juventus. I don't want to see him as a fan. I don't want to see him as a coach. The chapter is done. I don't want to see it revisited. He said that nothing's impossible. He might return. I don't care where he goes. I don't want it to be at Juventus. Paratici, please. I'd rather have Pinsolio as the, as the coach. I just needed to say that. But guys, it's been it's been fun talking. Just know if Allegri comes to Juventus, the podcast is gonna strain from PG thirteen to mature mature audiences. Yeah, I think we're already past that at this point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't know if that was necessary, but yeah, there's there uh, there's more chance thoughts on Allegri. Uh, Allegri I really I think wrong, Allegri every podcast. Every podcast he mentions something about Allegri. He crawls yeah. through the cracks now. Yeah, says well, he's finally going to get a coaching job. He said that two years ago. Let's be real. When was the last time you guys did something in Champions League? It was under Allegri. So maybe he's the key to his success. Who knows? Oh. Well, uh, I'm going to cut off here before Frances goes to the ranch. Cause when, uh, <laughs> nah. when, when I hear Frances say the, words, well, the word well, I know uh, yeah, yeah. 45 it's, minutes it's, is coming after that. It's, so. it's, it's best to cut it out. We're already at 45 minutes. Yeah, I'm sure after we're done recording here, Francesca's going to explain to Danny why he thinks it's, a, eh. it's not true. But anyways, Francesca, I'm going to stop you there. <laughs> Guys, uh, thank you um, there's a chance I go uh, more in-depth on the Allegri on the three cultural tiers, so if you want to hear that, make sure to tune in. Yeah, definitely check them out. Uh, thanks for listening. Check out our social media at 6.coucho. We'll be back next week. Ciao. Ciao. Ciao, guys.